We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. The MPW Digital Podcast Network proudly presents McCrady and Siski, powered by Rain Total Body Fuel. Join longtime SEC beat writer Neil McCrady and former South Alabama assistant, Alabama staffer, and Ole Miss recruiting coordinator Tyler Siski for an hour of football and fun. Listen and enjoy as they talk ball, the national landscape, and much, much more. Now, here's your host in the Clark Ford Studios, Neil McCrady. Welcome into another edition of McCready and Siski, powered by Rain Total Body Fuel. I'm Neil McCready. That is Tyler Siski with me here today. Here on this Monday, January the 22nd, we're uh, taping via Zoom. We'll put this up in audio form as uh, quickly as possible, uh, hoping to return to our regular streaming and such in the in the near future. But your boy's not quite to that place yet, where he can uh, get get where he needs to get to do those things. So for now we're on zoom, but we'll talk about uh, NFL playoffs. Um, some, some tampering allegations. We'll allegedly, see. allegedly. Uh, alleged tampering allegations. Uh, we will talk about uh, a number of, a number of different things that are, uh, that are out there. So first I want to tell you that we're brought to you by rain, total body fuel, 300 milligrams of natural caffeine, BCAAs, electrolytes, zero sugar. It's got what you need to push the limits and achieve your goals. Check them out on Instagram at Rain Body Fuel to learn more. Tyler, how are you? Doing great, Neil. In this wonderful, wonderful heat wave that we've been having, I just thought it'd be nice and refreshing today to I'm rolling with my Harvest Grape uh, uh-huh. rainstorm. And I got all the cases of Stormer in my garage, so I don't even need a refrigerator at this point in time. They're pretty much frozen once I uh, leave the house in the mornings. So I actually defrost them all morning before the show. So rolling with a little Harvest Grape today. Right. And Neil, you know what? We don't have the Cooper Chevrolet chat today because we are on the Zoom. It's going to be audio only. But guys at Cooper, awesome people, want to remind us now, especially since the ice has been out, that they have marked down New 2024 Silverado 2500 HDs over $5,800 this week. Go to coopershevrolet.com or call 256-236-4481. They have over 19 on the lot right now. So make sure you go and check those guys out at Cooper Chevrolet and tell them that McCready and Siski sent you. All right. So uh got a number of things we want to get to. Um We'll start. I'll, I'll use your 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 outline for a a, a, a guide. We'll go there. Uh, Ohio State, Ohio State making noise Ooh. in the uh, transfer portal over the last several days. Of course, they got Quinshawn Judkins from Ole Miss, Seth McLaughlin, the Alabama center, Will Howard, the Kansas State quarterback, and then over the weekend, arguably the best player in college football, Caleb Downs, the defensive back from Alabama, and then. A uh, five-star Alabama quarterback commit who I think had was in Tuscaloosa ready to enroll when all the Nick Saban, Kalen De- DeBoer stuff started, uh, Julian saying A lot of people were saying he would compete to be Alabama's starter as early as 2025. He has transferred to Ohio State using the portal before he even plays a single college football game. 
Julian Sayan now at uh, at Ohio State. So look, Ohio State didn't beat Michigan, so they didn't make the playoff. They won the uh, they won their they lost their bowl game actually to Missouri. So they finished the season with the with a uh, I guess kind of sputtering, but boy, they they're doing really well in the portal. What's up with the uh, what's up with the Buckeyes here? I, mean, I think it's uh. I think it started with Michigan, obviously. Um, but here's all those that you just mentioned. That's all since the Cotton Bowl. And Ohio State has been um, not very active in the portal. They haven't been. They haven't been portal heavy. You know, they've lost a lot of guys, but they've done. But they haven't been traditionally a portal heavy team. And, and when you look at what they've done. And and even collective wise, they've been they've been very quiet collective wise. They they've been uh, admittedly down than what it probably takes to be competitive. They've been I would I wouldn't say they're 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 garbage or anything, but they haven't been. They're not a top fifteen or twenty probably collectives out there. I'd say as far as total amount of money. But something happened after that Cotton Bowl, and you know with losing to Missouri, not having those guys on the field, the quarterback situation that they were going through in that game, which was a nightmare. But brother, they've spent some coin here in the last last two weeks. I mean, some of those some of the numbers I heard on those guys. I mean, I think it's very well documented on this show what everybody thinks Quinshawn asked for, wanted. All right, got. so I, I'll throw a number at you. Tell me whether I'm right or wrong. Okay, I heard Quinshawn got around nine hundred thousand from Ohio State. Um, I've heard that's the max I've heard. I've heard between seven and nine. Okay. I can't get it. I can't. I cannot get that validated. I've heard two different numbers. I'm so going. I'm going to. I'm going to make an educated guess here on downs that he got at least seven fifty. Uh, at minimum. Um, I've heard crazy numbers. I've tried to get those validated last two days. I have not. But I mean, he, look. There's a reason. I know what he walked away from. How about that? <laughs> there's a reason that here's this guy played at Alabama was pursued heavily out of high school by Georgia and every single swinging person when he when when he entered the portal after Nick Saban's retirement every single person and not all of these people were Georgia homers were pretty emphatic that hey forget it on Caleb Downs he's going to Georgia Sud- suddenly doesn't go to Georgia you you got to figure there's a reason why, and I'm going to guess it's not because he really loves going to the Columbus hockey games. It, it, it's it's probably a little deeper than that. Yeah, there was some money involved. I think there were some other outlining issues I probably don't need to get into, but but still was surprised he didn't go. He, with the issues that I knew about, was surprised he still didn't go. I kind of know what the where he was at there, um, so I know he got more. But the way I'm calculating it, probably as a, at a minimum. They probably spent four million between probably four and four and a half million dollars on five players. You know, he's on record, he being Ryan Day, as saying you need about thirteen million dollars a year to field a, a nationally competitive roster. Mm-hmm. And a lot of people criticized him when he gave the number out because there there are still these people out there, and they're actually they're they're in the majority. They talk about people that cover our sport. The cover of this sport. It's not my sport. It's your sport. It's not my sport. But I cover our, our sport. But the people who cover college football do not like the numbers getting out. There's something about that that in their world, it's like that's that is the bridge too far. That is admitting that, yeah, it's pro sports. That's all it is. It's pro sports. Pro college football, big time college football is pro sports. They just don't want to admit that out loud. Not all, but most. And I'm not really sure why it has something to do with their love for tradition and all of that stuff is what I'm guessing. And I'm not I'm not even trying to be critical. Just being trying to like break it down and understand it. But when Ryan Day gave the number, I thought, huh, that's pretty interesting. And I kind of put pen to paper and went, Oh, I see how he gets there. And that's basically, I mean, like at the uh at the at the Peach Bowl. In the days leading up to the Peach Bowl, when there was so much talk about 
what Ole Miss would, would do with Jackson Dart, what Ole Miss would do with uh, with Quinshawn Judkins, what Ole Miss would do with certain people in the portal. You know what it costs to get Walter Nolan, what it cost, what it would cost to get certain offensive linemen, et cetera, et cetera. And you started doing the math, and you're like, yeah, it's somewhere between thirteen and fifteen million. That's what it takes. And and I I think that it's just there are a multitude of people that cover the sport, including a multitude of people that that sort of run some of those programs that they just don't really like that number out there as this thing because there's some schools that look at it and go, wow. And I think it's this. There are multiple Power 5 schools, both in the SEC and the Big 10, and obviously the Big 12, ACC, that they're so far away from 13 million, 15 million, that they look at that and go, that is a mountain that we cannot climb. You know, it's it's like, hey, I'm going to take my two-wheel drive vehicle and I'm going to get up the steepest road in Oxford with it completely iced over. I mean, I've seen some people try to last week. <laughs> I mean, you know, you look at that and and what what is your initial reaction when you're in your car and you look up that hill? It's like, there's no way. There's no way. And you just go, I'm just going to wait until the damn ice melts. And I think this is not a terrible analogy now that I sort of make it over time. I think a lot of schools and a lot of people who cover the sport, instead of saying, all right, well, how do I attack this hill? They say, I'm just going to wait. And they've waited and they've waited and they've waited and damn, the ice just doesn't melt. And so they're hitting that frustration phase where, well, if that's what it takes, if, if for me to participate, I've got to get up that hill what happens if I can't get up that hill? And I think, I, that's, think the I think that's where we are. Like we're going to talk about Alabama in a minute. And I'm going to be honest with you. You, you might tell me I'm completely full of it, but after talking to some people who kind of cover Alabama and talking to some people that sort of know Alabama, I think, don't get me wrong. I think Alabama has got more than a little two door sedan to work its way up the hill, but I don't think Alabama is as equipped for the hill as they thought they were. Well, to me, that's what's – and the reason I want to talk about it today is I, I think, to me, the impressive thing here with me with Ohio State, and I, I truly am impressed, that's the only reason I brought it up, is they really went from not being a player in this game to bringing it up. And when he brought up that number, what was it, 13, 14, what he brought up, that was ahead of him. That was more than what was needed at the time, but he did it like we talked about on the show a couple weeks ago is he's – he knew that if I said what it took to be competitive today, it wasn't going to be like that tomorrow. He had a little foresight, gave him a little cushion in there. Because teams like Ohio State, it's the problem that Alabama's having right now. Those teams have a lot more money that they need to keep at home for retention because of the high school players that they have on their roster. Okay? Um, I, did a, I, I did it uh, after our show the other day because I was working on some portal stuff on Friday. What Alabama has lost in the portal since the Rose Bowl would be the number two ranked class in America today. Yeah. It's like 20, like 27 guys. Yeah. And this was as a Friday, I think it was 23 or 24 scholarship players. It was like three or four, four star, uh, five star kids. It was like one of their best players was a three star out of high school. So, you know, you, where would you rank those? And that's before you did the bonus points that y'all like to do with where they're ranked. I mean, they lost a lot. And then you can't just replace that. You can you can do some damage. And, and the point I was trying to make with, with Alabama, which we'll obviously get at, but when you're replacing that kind of talent, is Alabama going to be able to roll out 22 just bona fide dudes next year and play? Absolutely. But it's depth. Yes. And they're losing their depth and good players. And we'll talk about that. But that was the most impressive thing with Ohio State is everybody's like, okay, you got all because they they have they are loaded up high school wise. They got players beyond players. They are the Alabama of the North, right? They that's where they go, and to have them be able to go out and literally get arguably uh, the best player in college football, Caleb Downs. They got arguably, which I think so, the best most talented running back in the NCAA. So they've added the best at, at the position, 
And then when you look at quarterback, would I have taken another quarterback besides Will Howard? Probably, but he's top five. Um, and then you got arguably <laughs> one of the best freshmen out there. Uh, I mean, dude, they loaded it up and you got a starter at center. Seth McLaughlin needed a change at Alabama. He was having a rough time after the Rose Bowl with the fans, but they probably ran him out of there. But you're getting a, you're getting one, two, three, four starters in the last two weeks. I'm talking about elite guys, and you're adding them to an elite roster. Uh, so I would be a little bit surprised if they go uh, backwards at all. I, I think you they're with what they've done. I'm kind of going ahead and penciling them in in the old the old playoffs for next year. Yeah, I I, I do too for sure. Um, I mean, I, I don't think there's much question about it. And they're building this at, at a time when, um, you know, it's it's a little d- down the agenda, but we'll go to it. it. When Michigan, Jim Harbaugh, it's been reported, will have his second interview with the Los Angeles Chargers. Uh, I can't remember oh. which which NFL talking head said uh, over the weekend, but maybe it was – it might have been Aikman. Someone said, hey, look, Jim Harbaugh's – coaching in the NFL next year. And if that's the case, well, then he's probably not coaching at Michigan, which will be an interesting thing to watch. But there is a growing sentiment, and you mentioned it here in the notes, that Sharon Moore is is going to be the next head coach at Michigan if Jim Harbaugh leaves in the coming days to go to the NFL. And if that's the case, a couple of things. One, all the Michigan kids can enter the portal, although – it's expected that that there will be major retention if if Moore gets the job, but he'll he'll have his hands full stepping in and immediately running the program as efficiently as Harbaugh did. You would almost be it almost be malpractice to open up and have a coaching search if you just if you've just witnessed what's happened to Alabama. That may be malpractice. Because you got a roster very similar, all right. They got guys everywhere, and if you open that up and bring somebody else in, all of a sudden, you know, there are very few rosters that can survive what just happened. Now they'll be they have a chance to replace it. They got all that stuff, but look, it's it happened. Why would you bring that upon yourself by opening up a coaching search? I think Harbaugh also slipped a little bit in the interview. I forgot who who. Uh, interviewed him Saturday and he said it's been a lot of fun you know with the passing of the torch and he kind of realized what he said and then kind of got got off of the uh it was one of the sideline reporters I can't remember who it was but he he kind of slipped up and kind of his eyes got big and kind of changed the subject really quick but look you would almost be malpractice not to hire uh Sean Moore you you have to that's your only chance at retention and it goes back to what Joel Urban had to do with South Alabama I think when you have a good roster if you're an AD that has a good roster these days, if you have a capable candidate in your in your pool that's right there, you almost have to hire them. Yeah. If things aren't going well, you, and that's more like – so I think what you're going to see, who has healthy rosters? So when coaches leave to take other jobs on their own, most times that is because they won and they had a healthy roster, right? So I think if coaches leave and go somewhere on their own, I think the 80s probably almost, I'd probably say damn near got to almost assure it these days with these rules that you, if you have a capable candidate on your staff, you have to promote from within to keep, to keep just the floodgates from opening. Because what's happening at Alabama right now, and look, I know a bunch of coaches there now, so do you, great coaches can build rosters but this is this is this isn't building a roster it's almost like you're starting over and i mean to lose that kind of talent they've lost just since, and that's bef- that's just since the rose bowl what's gonna happen you know there's other guys rumored to be going in the portal they have not yet uh but i mean it's not over yet and it's just it's very difficult to replace that in a short period of time well, and and they can still lose guys to SEC schools, but the window for them to bring in guys from other SEC schools has closed. So, look, they're going to add a bunch of guys in the portal in April, May, whatever. They're going to field a team because, duh. But this team next season at Alabama is not going to be as deep. It's not going to be as talented as last year's team. They're, they've lost too many impact players. 
and they're going to replace them in all likelihood across the board with less impactful players. And over a course of an SEC season, and you keep pointing this out, and you're right, people are people are how good was Alabama? Well, they were the only team in the SEC that went through the SEC undefeated. It's not it's not easy. They're the only one. Everybody else lost at least an SEC game. Um, and uh, the team that beat them, one of the teams that beat them, of course, is going to be in the SEC next season. But you're splitting hairs at that point, but still. But coincidentally, they also lost a game to another team that's going to be in the SEC as well. Yeah. So so it's very difficult to run that gamut without – I mean, they lost Oklahoma in the regular season. So it's very difficult, no matter who you are. So over the weekend, Caden Proctor, Alabama's uh, starting offensive tackle, Iowa native, was at the uh, Iowa – Basketball game, Iowa was playing Purdue in basketball. Your boy laid up uh, on Saturday. I got back from rehab and uh, turned on some college basketball to wait for uh, the playoff games to get rolling that afternoon and had uh, had Iowa on on one of the TVs for a little while. Did you Caden catch Pro- it live? Yeah. Caden Proctor was there, gave an interview um, to uh, – to some media covering Iowa. And I mean, he, he said that Iowa basically had kept in touch with him, had touched base with him, whatever. And there was this pushback immediately. And I loved it. I laughed out loud. People doing that's tampering. It's tampering. Damn it. That is, he's admitted it. And I was like, all right, number one, I don't know how many times you have to hear the words everybody tampers before you begin to realize that what that means is yes, everybody tampers. And what he said, if you go back and listen to it, and this isn't me defending Iowa, because listen, let's put the joke away for a minute. I I've never been to the state of Iowa. I, I don't really care. Um, you don't have your Hawkeye thongs on right now. I mean, I do, but you know, I wear those every day, so that's not a big uh, uh, no big deal. Uh-huh. I've got multiple pairs of Iowa underwear. Um, no, but the truth is, is I mean, that's not going to result result in anything because that is a that is a place that the NCAA, I, my opinion, and this is educated, has no interest in going because just him saying it isn't enough. You'd have to go prove that calls got made, that <laughs> that the contact was direct, and that it was recruiting. Them, just someone over there going, hey, man, keep your head up. I know this is hard. You, you, you're okay. That's not tampering. Um, But it was, to me, it was like, there again, back to what we talked about at the beginning, there are people out there, including a lot of people in my field, who really want to go back to the old days. And it's like, yeah, what you have now, when you see a guy enter the portal on a Tuesday and by Wednesday he's made his decision. He just makes, he just makes really good decisions, Neil. That decision's been made a while because the offer was put out. Everything's been done. They just waited until you got in the portal to make it official. And I have no problem with that, by the way. And I've said this all along, whatever. Until you have a, a governing body that can enforce, that can implement and and enforce penalties, and I don't mean penalties where you punish a program seven years down the road. I'm talking about right then where you go, okay, that's it. You 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 lose ten scholarships. You can't have but seventy five guys on your roster. You. You lose $2 million in NIL money. I don't know, whatever the case may be. Until there's some sort of a real punishment, nothing stops anybody from tampering. Everybody tampers, and the NCAA is not going to go there. Yeah, so this is this is kind of like one of those rules that, you know, everybody wants to know, like when you, when you work in recruiting, all right, and you work, and if any coach, we got a ton of college coaches that listen. I know that, and they all gonna like, yep, mm-hmm, preach it. 
you know when you go recruiting, you see violations or you know someone is cheating, okay? And you know it. And the fans are like, well, just turn them in. Just turn them in. It doesn't work like that. And I always had this saying is those in glass houses do not throw stones. If I don't care how clean of a program that you think you're running, I don't care how clean of a program that, that the fans think their team's running or even the coaches themselves, because you don't know what some booster that you've never met. And that's why I actually do not like and never have liked the the head coach responsibility rule, whatever it is that they do, they hold the head coaches accountable. Like there's a lot of things that never cross their desk that they have no idea about. And it's one thing when you don't have an idea. Now there's some things that probably cross their desk. They do have an idea about, but there's a lot of times there are penalties and rules and things like that. Penalties of, of violations that the head coach had no idea about. Okay. None. And, and they really don't but you're still going to get hammered with it. And that's the, you know, the head coach, it's your responsibility. Well, it's just impossible. You know, you got some of these staffs that have 70, 80, 90 people in their organization. You don't know every single person that they've talked to. I mean, I, I worked in athletic departments for 20 years and I, I could, I'd see a guy, I may come to practice and I noticed him, you know, after about five or six or seven times, I'd be like, well, who, you know, I'd finally say, well, who's that guy? Oh, well, he's friends with such and such. Okay, well, cool. That's all I know it as. I don't know what he's doing behind closed doors. You know what I mean? Like to help whatever. And so if you 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 better not turn, if you turn people in, you better make sure that all your uh, T's are crossed and your I's are dotted because what's going to happen? Okay, well, they're going to say, well, oh, yeah, well, how about this? And they're going to turn you in. And you just, those in glass houses do not throw stones. It never works out good for those people that do that. Um, I know how it's usually handled. You know, if a if a coach has a problem with what's going on somewhere else, they'll pick up the phone. You, you heard Jeff Trailer on our show tell us this. He does it. See, if he's got a problem, he'll pick up and he'll call the other coach. Um, but this tampering thing is getting is getting to the point to where it's it's costing some friendships in uh, college football. Um, I'm probably glad I got out at the right time, Neil. But I mean, I know people who are friends with other people who are head coaches and things like that, and they they they're not. I mean, they're it's bad. They're calling them up, dropping you know, mfing them, and and you know, it's ruining friendships. But everybody's doing it, so don't turn anybody in on that. Um, <laughs> and you hit the nail on the head real quick. You hit the nail on the head. NCAA's got other shit to deal with. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like they they got their own problems. They're not worried about tampering. They're not going to investigate it. Um, what's I, can I try? Can I try a Neil McCready uh, uh, parable here? Go for it. This is this is you rubbing off on me. All right, what she said. All right, so here we go. It would be like a state trooper on the side of the road with trying to pull over people people for speeding, but there's. 11,000 cars going 100 miles an hour past him. Which one does he pull over? They're all breaking the law. They're all going fast. So there's they're not they're just going to be like kind of like you see on live PD, man, when the when the when the uh speed bike when the when the ninja goes by going 140, they don't even chase them anymore. They just let them go. That's yeah. kind of what's happening here. Yeah, it's it's it, it's it's an unenforceable rule. And especially if you can't distribute, like in the NFL, they have tampering rules. And if you get caught and they prove it, they can take a draft pick away. Yep. Well, that's a penalty that's harsh enough that you you won't do it. College athletics just don't have that right now. So a coach goes, so let me get this right. If we get caught tampering, by the time the NCAA launches an investigation, interviews everybody, does all the stuff, goes through all the committees and all that. Like four years from now, we might lose a couple of visits. Ah, let's do it. I mean, that's not real punishment. So it, it Well, look at Florida. Look at Florida. They just had they, – they just announced for the second time because I guess the first time didn't get enough attention because they already announced last June that Florida was under investigation for this Jaden Rashada uh, deal. Yeah, here we are. We're in we're in January, boss. It's been it's been a full year. We've had we've had a full season uh, since he's at another another school, and we're, and we're still not in the final. We're not even 
close to the beginning of the end of the investigation. I mean, Billy may be coaching somewhere else by the time this thing is done. You know what I mean? So, like, I mean, there's a running joke. I always, I'm not going to say who I said it with, but I was like, hell, let's just go. What we should do is we should just go blind, cold turkey, cheat like hell. I'm talking about just go crazy. By the time they catch us, we'll be, we'll be out, we'll, and, and prosecute us. We'll be, we'll be done. We'll be out of here. So, what does it matter? And what does it matter? So, wrapping this part of it up, because we're going to switch to one of their arch rivals in a minute and talk about them. Not asking you to put a WL record on Alabama for 2024, but just how steep is the fall off for that team in the next season? I still, next year, I still think they're going to be out. I think they got enough. It's going to be, um, and look, I've said this, and I'll keep saying it. I don't. I, I we had a conversation with my buddies this weekend. I don't know if they didn't get better X and O's wise, coaching wise, they they probably got better. Um, so they're going to be able to roll out twenty two dudes out there and get after your ass. The question is, how healthy can they stay? Yeah, the depth, those things. Um, they got you know they got uh, Tennessee, LSU, and Georgia on the schedule this year. I think those are going to be the big three. And you got to keep away from a pitfall, you know, one of the other SEC games you got to play. Um, I think they got Oklahoma. I think some of their 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 uh, that sounds game. that sounds right. So you got to. I, I I still think, you know, they're going to be they're going to be good. It's just can they? What's nine and three going to do to the fan base? That's the thing. If they go nine and three, you know, any other team in America is kind of excited about having a nine and three season. That place is going to fall apart because it's been what sixteen years since they've gone. They've won less than double digit games. Here's Alabama's schedule for next season: uh, Western Kentucky, South Florida at home, at Wisconsin, open date, Georgia at home, at Vanderbilt, South Carolina at home, at Tennessee, Missouri at home, open date, uh, at LSU, Mercer at home, at Oklahoma. Auburn at home. Yeah. So, you know, there's pitfalls in there, but if they go nine and three, everybody else will be like, oh, man, that's a great year for our team. No, not there. And it's just the standard is so set so high. Uh, they there. win 10 games, they'll go to playoff. You know, I mean, it's just kind of what it is. But um, I think they're, I don't think it'll be as quick as everybody thinks it's going to be because I think they're great X's and O coaches and I think they're going to have enough ass to kick ass. Um, so I'm not ready to, but, is can they how quickly can they gain back what they just lost is going to determine everything all right uh your your buddy Hugh Freeze at Auburn trying to uh, finish out a coaching staff he hired Derek Nix from Ole Miss last week he hired another coach they introduced him at the basketball game Saturday night Charles Kelly Charles Kelly they still have a uh a defensive coordinator spot that needs to be filled I've heard a lot of DJ Durkin over the last few days, I'd also heard DJ Durkin's name at Missouri some. Um, the other name I that think DJ Durkin was going to be the defensive coordinator at Alabama before Nick Saban retired. Oh, interesting. Yeah. Uh, I mean, the I other name that's Saban. out there quite a bit in internet land is Chris Kiffin, Lane's brother, your friend. Yep. Uh, just finished another season in the NFL with the Houston Texans, who uh, lost at Baltimore on Saturday. We'll talk some NFL in a minute, but what's, uh, What's the uh, what's what's Hugh Freeze doing at Auburn? I think in the next twenty four hours, probably I say twenty four to forty eight. I, I think somewhere, probably before we tape again, I think it it should be settled out what he's going to do there. I think he's got some uh, candidates, which you mentioned several of them. I think there's others, um, but I, th- I think things will get sorted out here probably in the next probably before we tape again. Um, if if we tape on Thursday, I think forty eight hours be fair. Um, if it's not done, usually when I say that, that means it's going to happen. It's happening right now as we're taping probably. Um, but um, DJ Durkin, he's going to be coordinating somewhere. He's got – he is uh, – he's being interviewed or whatever you want to call it, vetted uh, at a lot of places. And I thought it was almost done, if not done, behind closed doors with Alabama before Nick retired. Um, I think he kind of moved on there. Um, but he'll be coaching somewhere uh, in this league, I, I believe, uh, one way or another. Um, you know, I think I think he's going to have uh, plenty of candidates for that. I think he'll he'll have to um, do the same thing as everybody else. Going to have to hit the portal a little bit, 
um, get the staff together, and, and he he needs to find a fit since he is calling the plays. He just needs to make sure he finds a schematic fit, and there are those out there in the systems that fit uh, complementary to the other side. Uh, with that being said, Hugh, Hugh did a really good job, really starting at Liberty, I think. from a, That's, to me, I think it, that's where he really even got better, and a lot of people didn't watch them play as much, but he did a much better job at Liberty when he was calling plays at um, complimenting the defense, not just want to go tempo all the time. You know, if, if he felt like he needed to slow it down, he'd slow it down. I think that's something he's got better at, and I would look for him to do a little bit more of the same based on uh, personnel and what they got coming back schematically um, on the defensive side of the ball. All right. Um, I just sent you a text about something, by the way, that I wanted to see if you'd heard. I, I can't do it on the air, but. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. So the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Whether you're a world-class athlete or a podcaster like me, we all understand the importance of mental and physical well-being and proper recovery for top-notch performance. That's why I'm excited that Unified Healing is sponsoring podcasts on the Blue Wire Network. Unified Healing is a new and super innovative global network of wellness centers powered by Energy Enhancement System, or EE System. If you haven't heard of the EE System yet, then you'll want to listen up. This technology promotes wellness, deep relaxation, purification, and rejuvenation. Wherever you are across the globe, access to a center is easy and affordable. Interested in experiencing the EE System technology for yourself? Go to unifiedhealing.com slash bluewire to learn more and find a center near you. That's unified, U-N-I-F-Y-D, healing.com slash bluewire. No material or testimonials on the Unified Healing website are intended to be viewed as medical advice or a substitute for professional medical advice, diagnosis, or treatment. Always seek the advice of your physician or other qualified healthcare provider with any questions you may have regarding a medical condition or treatment and before undertaking a new healthcare regimen, including EE system. I have not. Okay, you've not heard that. Okay, check. I'm checking with somebody else too. All right, uh, we're going to move to the NFL. First, I want to tell you this show is sponsored by BetterHelp. What are some things you want to keep the same about yourself or your life in 2024? Where What areas of life are you already crushing it? Around New Year's, first part of the year, we all get obsessed with how to change ourselves instead of just expanding on what we're already doing right. There's no need for a new year and a new you. Instead, maybe it's time to focus on doing the things you already do well better. Maybe you finally organized one part of your space. You want to tackle another. Maybe you're taking your supplements every morning and now you want to actually eat breakfast too. Therapy helps you find your strengths so you can ditch the extreme resolutions and make changes that really stick. I've told you this for a while. I've benefited from therapy in the past. It gave uh, me tools to tackle adversity, to be a better version of myself. Therapy isn't just for those who've experienced major trauma. If you're thinking of starting therapy, give BetterHelp a try. It's entirely online. It's designed to be convenient, flexible, suited to your schedule. Just fill out a brief questionnaire to get matched with a licensed therapist and switch therapist anytime for no additional charge. Celebrate the progress you've already made. Visit BetterHelp.com slash mpw today to get 10 percent off your first month that's better h-e-l-p better help h-e-l-p.com slash m-p-w uh just text you back something um it would make sense though i'll tell you why later okay would or would not it would would yeah 
Got a feeling it's got a feeling. Makes sense. Yeah. Because of where he was at. All right. Um NFL down to four. Yeah, let's do it. I was, I was trying to figure out what the hell we were. NFL down to four teams. The divisional playoffs were played. Um <clears throat> pretty uh couple of results kind of not surprising that we'll start with just in chronological order. The the Ravens whipped the Texans 34 to 10. Uh dude, what the Ravens look like a Super Bowl team. What a X one, they have great players, but what an X and O. I'm I'm again, I'm a I'm an X and O nerd, football nerd. What a schematic masterpiece by the Ravens, really on both sides of the ball. They did some things probably 99.9% of the people don't even notice. They were the crowd was great, crowd was loud into it. They were they were purposefully purposely showing pressure really late in the play clock. Okay, so like three, two, three seconds left in the play clock, they would be lined up in some exotic looks and then go and to be where they knew where Houston was setting their protection and they would bring pressure, show pressure away. And they would do it so late that because the the Texans were on silent count the whole game. I don't know if you noticed that or not. You saw the guard; he'll he'll point his hand out, the center pop up. So they you have to do that, you know, with a couple seconds on the play clock. They were waiting late, showing late, forcing them to hold it to um, try to communicate late. So many false starts, so many procedure uh, penalties for guys starting early, not not hearing checks they were critical downs to where um you know especially on laramie's side they were showing a three technique a b gap player and a c gap player a three and a five technique to laramie's side showing pressure trying to force them to kick everything out we used to call it a fan call couldn't get it communicated across and they would have like a free runner and b gap on critical downs because the guard was taking one and laramie was taking the other and they just could not get it communicated. And so by holding those blitzes uh, when they did, it just really caused chaos. And even later in the game, in the second half, you saw uh, C.J. Stroud, he, he knew it because he knows where he is. That's one thing about really good quarterbacks, know where they're protected, where they're not protected. And they were bringing – they were, you know, causing them to change the mic points, and they were bringing guys that the offensive line was supposed to have it was just – and he was having free runners, and he was just taking off running at as soon as he was getting the ball because he knew that uh, that he was not protected. So, just a really good job there on defense. And then offensively, um, I know you've watched a lot of Texans. I have too. The Texans aren't a high blitz team. Uh, we're not all year. I'm going to say it was somewhere between 20 and 30% of, of dropback passes. They were pressuring, which is really low. In the first half of that game, it was over 70, I think it was like 74, 77%, something like that, of drop back passes in the first half. They were getting after Lamar. And it was almost like uh, they were taking a, a page out of the Steelers' playbook a little bit because the Steelers always give them problems. And they were blitzing the shit out of Lamar. So in the second half, offensively, they came out and pretty much on every single pass, and you can get away with this once, and they used their card. Because you know, obviously they'll be they'll be playing uh, this weekend against the Chiefs, and they'll be ready for it. Spagnuolo will. But even if they were showing cover zero, so they would show pressure and bail. So even though it was a dead giveaway cover zero look to where normal quarterbacks will set the protection and go on about their life, they were bringing short motions, and if they didn't move, then they know they were dropping out playing zone, and they were checking the pass play, and then they started just eating them up in the second half on drop back passes. Uh, by using short motion and changing the play. It was really, really good, fun uh, fun game to watch from a uh, football geek standpoint there in the second half. So the other Saturday game, this is the one that I probably saw the least amount. I watched all of pretty much all of the Texans until it got completely out of hand. I watched all of the Sunday games. Saturday night I was, uh, I, I, I was distracted. I was doing my job watching Auburn just maul Ole Miss in basketball. And then, uh, not gonna lie, Auburn's the uh, the Thunder, the Thunder were in Minneapolis playing the first place Timberwolves. I was watching that; it's a hell of a game. Uh, that kept my attention all the way to the end, and so then I flipped to uh, the uh, Packers Forty ers game 
in time to see the fourth quarter, which turned out to be big quarter. Uh, 49ers win 24-21. Brock Purdy leads a uh, a drive down the field uh, to get a uh, playoff win for the Niners there at home. They'll play host to the Detroit Lions next Sunday. We'll talk about the Lions in a minute. Uh, I thought the Packers played really well. I thought Jordan Love had a good game, made a mistake there at the end, but that won't – I'm going to go out on a limb and say that won't be the last playoff game Jordan Love plays as the quarterback of the Green Bay Packers. You know, what a crazy year by him. You know, he started off hot, looked good at the beginning of the year, went through a lull, and then kind of the last part of the season, they were as good as anybody. I mean, they they were as good as anybody the last part of the year. Um, so momentum is a real thing. Um, well, I watched, obviously, I watched all of it. Brock Purdy had the last drive, but Brock Purdy struggled, man. I mean, he did not look good at all. He was – his thing is, is he – what when they are rolling, when they're good – Man, he gets to the top of his drop and he cuts it loose. And he anticipates and gets the ball out on time so well. And the last couple of weeks, man, and especially in this game, I don't know if he was confused, if they were doing something coverage-wise, because, you know, you're limited in what you can see on TV. He was so unsure about where he was going with the ball. And he doesn't have the arm to be late. He's got to be on time. And – he, he threw some bad balls, man, and, and, like, it was not good. Like, to the point, I was like, I wonder if they're going to make a change here. Um, because the Packers, for a long time, they were they were going to, you know, outscore them, and then they finally found a way. They used, you know, the second half kickoff, still in possession kind of deal. But I just they, – they look mortal, man. They almost look – you remember that they went a three-week stretch where they lost three in a row, and they came back to looking like after the bye week they looked like a real team. They go back to that middle stretch again. They they do not look good right now. Um, no, you know what? So we'll, I'll transition from there to the Detroit Tampa game. Detroit wins by eight, 31 23. Uh, if I'm a Lions fan, I'm excited right now. I just won two home games in the NFC title for the first time in forever. And we're going to go play a team that especially if they don't have Debo Samuels or if he's limited, I don't know that San Francisco has the goods to take advantage of the one thing that I, the Lions, do poorly, and that's pass cover. Yeah, they're as bad as it gets in pass defense. I mean, I, I'm pretty sure I could, I could still go for at least – I could get 50 yards on them, I think, still. I think I still get 50. I mean, they're terrible in pass defense. and I mean – but now they're pretty good in, the, in in run defense and stuff. And 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 here's the thing: they're if right against the, run, here's the thing: if if they don't have Debo Samuel's, they're having to really manufacture offense and give credit where it's due. In the second half on Sunday against Tampa Bay, Jared Goff was downright terrific. Yeah, he's he and he had to be because at the first half he he was I don't know if he was shook. He missed some easy throws. The thing with the here's the thing with the lines on offense. And I know Montgomery is a, is your like start running back, and he kind of can can do the in between the tackles and get nasty, and that's what they like to do because offensive line wise they're they're unbelievable. Uh, the lines are, but Neil Jameer Gibbs may be the most explosive running back yeah. in the National Football League. I, yeah. I mean him him and Bijan Robinson are two just unbelievable game yeah. breaker guys, and to the point to where like. The Jets, I mean the Jets, the Lions have, you know, you got St. Brown, you got Reynolds, you got all these guys at receiver, you got Sam Laporta, you got all these guys that have that can really push the downfield. It's like their best down play, man, is like what you don't want to get in the situation with those guys is in a two-minute situation or when they're pushing downfield. If he checks the ball down to Jameer Gibbs and you got four guys, other four other guys running vertical, I mean, he's a threat, which he did twice. To, to take it to the house. I mean, he's so dynamic in the open field. They got to find a way, the Lions do, I think, to be more explosive, find a way to get him more involved in base offense um, because he's so damn explosive, man. I mean, he didn't see the field for like the first two or three drives. It was something crazy. Um, but I'm with you. Uh, I'm pulling for the Lions, uh, even though I picked the 49ers to win the Super Bowl at the beginning of our show. I just – I kind of I'm pulling for the lines. I, something about the, I got a little soft spot in my heart for him, man. I, I really like uh, Campbell. I've liked him ever since. You know what, what was it? Uh, Hard Knocks was that day. It was yeah. awesome. Yeah. Um, it's just awesome deal. But uh, how about this? I saw a 
I saw a tweet today. I was going to try to find it. I'll find it later. The uh, 2023, last year, this year's rookie class with the Lions, they got Jameer Gibbs, they got Branch, they got Laporta, and the linebacker. What's the outside backer's name? Uh, from from uh, Iowa. Oh, uh, anyway, uh, yeah. Jack Campbell. I mean, those are Jack Campbell. Those are key players. They all drafted late, like they wasn't early picks. And what they've done draft wise last year, I mean, those are four key players. They did. They had a. You look back on it, they had Panay Sewell before that. They have drafted their way to this point. You know what I mean? Like they had. Yeah, Hutchinson turned out to be a great pick, and there were some people that question what kind of an NFL player he'd be. And the answer is a damn good one. Well, you got Hutchinson, then you, you had Panay Sewell, like just all these, these yeah. key players are, are homegrown guys. They, and so hats off to the front office and those guys are doing a hell of a job. It's almost like the draft really matters in the NFL. It's almost how that works. Isn't it? I mean, as we get ready to start transitioning to draft talk here in the next two, three weeks, that's why it matters. It's you, you cannot win in the NFL without drafting. Well, no, can't, can't be done. Uh, two examples, Kansas city chiefs beat the Buffalo bills yesterday in Buffalo. Great game. We all thought it would be a great game. It was a great game. Um, I didn't get the ending. I wanted, I wanted the bills to win. I wanted the Kansas city thing to end. I don't, people are like, why are you mad about Taylor Swift? And I'm like, I'm not mad about Taylor Swift. I just, it's just incessant. I like Taylor Swift. I'll admit it out loud. Hand raised. Take away my man card. I like a lot of her music. Sometimes I'll even do one of those Peloton guided runs where the theme is Taylor Swift. I've done it before. I'll do it again. Good Lord willing. I don't hate Taylor Swift. But it's just incessant from the networks. And I understand why she draws. She changes the game. She gets a whole new audience, but goodness gracious. Um, but anyway, as it stands, Patrick Mahomes makes big plays when he has to make them. He's a winner. He's their, a de their defense stood up, and then there was a play, and it was, I want to say fourth quarter. I've watched a lot of sports over the weekend. I watched probably I'm six. Of you, man. I watched like six NBA games. I've watched so much that I can't keep it all sorted in my head without taking notes. Josh Allen unleashes an absolute seed and it goes right through Diggs's hands. Yeah, it was fourth quarter. They had, they had, they went back to back plays. They had to drive before they had third and 12 and got dropped a long, like a long one at the punt. And that was the first play of the next drive. And then he, that went, the first one was underthrown a little bit. And look, the bills at the end of the day, the Bills did not make the plays that they need. Where the Chiefs did, for the most part, make the plays. They had some drops too, but the Bills had three critical plays that I think changed the outcome of this game. One was the play before you're referencing. They dropped. It was like third and twelve. He let one cut loose, and the guy it was underthrown. The guy came back to it, uh, did not uh, did not catch it, dropped it. The very next play, first play, of the next drive, they he throws it deep to Stephon Diggs. That was a drop. That was an easy. That was you got to make that catch. And if I remember correctly on that play, that would have been first down inside the Kansas City twenty. Yeah. Would have really put pressure on the Chiefs. There's yeah. going to be a lot of talk about Bass missing the field goal that would have tied the game. But yeah, it was done before that. Even if he makes that field goal to tie the game, I mean, are you are you real confident that you're going to stop? No. You're going to stop Patrick Mahomes from getting Harrison Butker into field goal position, and Butker's not going to miss. No. So um, I, I have a hard time pinning it on on Bass. Um, and then the other play though is right after that on the drive that he misses the field goal. He has the bender that he's going he's going to throw a touchdown on the bender out, and he gets his back hit right when he's he gets uh, Chris Jones collapsed the pocket on the left tackle, and he gets hit right when he's letting it go, and the ball falls short. Um, if he's just got a clean pocket there, they, they score a touchdown, take the lead by four. So um, they didn't make the plays when they needed to. And, look, I got to give credit to where credit's due. The Chiefs defense. Yeah, for sure. They went through a period there in the second, third quarter where they were getting bullied a little bit up front. And they they made some adjustments. Um, 
they started moving Chris Jones around, which they've done in the past. They have not done as much this year. They started moving him around the defensive line to defensive end and some things to create some – to be able to push pockets in different areas um, and force uh, – they were forcing uh, Allen to escape like left or right and then had pressure coming that direction, twists and games and stuff coming. Um, so I thought it was really good good job by those guys in probably the middle of the third quarter the rest of the game, the adjustments that Spagnuolo made right there on defense. All right, you got any early thoughts? We'll we'll get together. We'll do some deep yeah. dives later in the week on NFC Championship, AFC Championship. The AFC Championship game is the early game on Sunday. It's uh, Kansas City at Baltimore, Patrick Mahomes at Lamar Jackson. One of those two teams headed to the Super Bowl. Listen, it takes a lot to get me to cheer for the Baltimore Ravens. Yeah. And I'm, pro- I'm probably there on, on Sunday where I'm like, okay, give I me. I'm probably going to cheer for whoever I bet for, but I'm with you on this one. I, I really doesn't. I, I can tell you this. When Super Bowl, I will be cheering for the NFC team in the Super Bowl. I can no question. You that. I now know that for sure. I will be yeah, all. I know that for sure. Whoever wins the uh, NFC championship, that's my team for two weeks. Look, I got to give the Ravens credit, even though I hate doing it. They have looked like the best team for a while now. Yeah. And they continue to do. And, like, they're not just winning. And this is NFL, man. This isn't like – this isn't college. NFL is always a one-possession game. They haven't had a one-possession game in a minute. They they have dominated really good teams. They beat the shit out of San Francisco. They beat the shit out – everybody they've played, they beat the shit out of. And so – when everybody's playing, you know, Lamar Jackson uh, looks the part lately. I mean, he, God, he's playing great. I mean, he's, yeah. he's probably the MVP this year. All right, the NFC game, the line's kind of big. The line on this thing's like six points, five and a half, six points. I'll be honest, maybe this is me cheerleading a little, but I kind of like Detroit in this spot. I probably like them to cover, which means congratulations to the 49ers for win by one big. I've I got my ass kicked this weekend. I had literally all I had to do is I had to ha- I had a money line parlay with Buffalo. All they had to do is Buffalo just win the game, even though they were favored. They didn't need to cover. They just need to win the game. I lost it last night. So, uh, I, I'm probably going to take. I like the lines to cover here. Um, I'm with you. I think Brock Purdy's struggling. I think they can do enough there. The key question on this one is going to be. Um, this is my concern for the lines this week is Jared Goff is a freaking statue back there, man. And this is not the D-line that you want to be a statue back there with. Yeah. You know, uh, their offensive line is really good, but they've been dinged up. He gets – he doesn't get rid of the ball. He takes too many sacks, and it, it gets you behind the chains and kills drives because he doesn't he doesn't escape very well. So, I'm, I'm that will be my concern. Um, but I do think they keep it close uh, and find some ways. That they got to they do something with him. Because this D line will get after your ass. They got its best D line in football, in my opinion. But hey, before we go, I know that's it. That's all I got for you. But I, I do have one thing I was looking at today that I thought yep. you may find interesting. All right. I just wrote down on the notes because I was looking at it for something else. So you know I'm a big UFC guy, right? Yeah. So Saturday night, it, when you were talking about what you were doing Saturday night, it got me thinking about it. So I watch every UFC pay per view, all that stuff. So it was really it was a bad card. Uh, there was on you know Sean Strickland and, and uh, Duplessis, Duplessis was the was the main event, and it was really the only entertaining fight that was even on the card. So I, I pulled it up. I was like, I wonder what they did pay per view wise. So they did they did six hundred thousand pay per view for that fight, and so I, it takes me down this rabbit hole, and it shows me the top ten, the top ten all time, and they do these things once a month, okay, in the top ten all time. UFC pay-per-views, Conor McGregor is in eight of them of the top 10 all time. He's in wow. eight of the top 10. Wow. And everybody wants to know what, because they get, if you're the champion or you're a big name in their contract, they get points on these, on these uh, pay-per-views. And so everybody wants to know how that guy got so much money in eight of the top 10 of all time in the history he's got, or t- in the top 10, he's got eight of them. And then I looked at boxing because uh, boxing has kind of gone the way, you know, the, it's going away really as a sport. So I was looking into boxing in the top 10 all time boxing. It's pretty much Floyd Mayweather and Mike Tyson are in all of them. Um, and then Conor McGregor, Floyd Mayweather, the second all time uh, pay-per-view buy ever. He made $130 million off of that pay-per-view. Conor McGregor wow. did. Wow. 
and to I give you some this about about uh MMA. I really like Dana White. Well, he's got it figured out. Like Dana White's Dana White is that that voice of reason. And I know that in my field, people, oh, he because he, he got asked all these questions about should you get your fighters to dial down their rhetoric? And he's like, why? This is the fight game. I'm not gonna tell those people what to say. Freedom of speech. I mean, they say what they want to say. I mean, if it if it ends up harming them because they said something that they lose an ad, they lose a sponsor over. Okay. I mean, yeah, it's ramifications, but he lets people have personalities and I, I'm not into it, but I see enough of the highlights and stuff to see that the arenas are packed and there's a ton of media interest in it. And there's lots of people out there who really enjoy it. And Instead of trying to corporatize it, he lets individuals be individuals. And he he's I think there are a lot of lessons that could be learned from the way that Dana White does UFC that everybody's scared to do in this super scared world that we live in. I don't know. Maybe it's just me. I have people tell me all the time, well, you don't, you don't understand, Neil, because you work for yourself and you get to kind of say what's on your mind. You're, you're not. So that's why I give, I give White a ton of credit is that he doesn't attempt to, to change people. He lets them be who they, who they are. Um, and I people always go politically, but like your stances on some political things are typically a reflection of your, not your character necessarily, but of your um, of your personality, of your of what makes you tick, what yeah. what 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 you feel about things. And so, if I'm going to watch a guy in a ring try to to beat up another guy without getting beat up, sometimes I kind of like knowing who who are these people like. There's more to them than just this animal in the in the ring trying to kill somebody while another guy's trying to kill him. I mean, there's more to it than that. Like, what is it? What is it that makes you tick? It's no different than any other sport. I mean, it's kind of it's more interesting to watch a a baseball team if you know the stories of the players that that are on the field because they're not always they're not always wearing a Braves uniform or a Tigers uniform. I mean, they. They haven't always worn that uniform. What what got them here? Who are the people that helped get them? And so you see that with UFC, and they don't try to they don't try to water it all down. They just kind of let it out there. And I liked it. And, and White got those questions, and he just ate the media guy up for dinner, and then spit him out. It was it was it was enjoyable. Anyway, well that's the, that's the, well that's the thing. Like Sean Strickland, I don't know if you saw. Yeah, he's who uh, I'm talking about. Strickland had some real, you know. He is out there. And he he's the one I, was, <laughs> I sent you the episode on when he was on Joe Rogan. I mean, yeah. That, that will make you that will make you feel complete. If you ever want to feel completely normal about any thought that you've ever had in your life, just go listen to Sean Strickland, Joe Rogan podcast. That was, he's a beaut. But he like, as crazy as that sounds, like, so there's been this vacuum since Conor McGregor slash retired, come back, where the hell he's doing there's been this vacuum of polarizing characters like that can sell. Right. And cause like we just talked about with Conor McGregor, he's got eight of the top 10 all time. Um, and the ones that the two that aren't him were before his time. So he is that that's what sells. And he literally carried this card by himself. And so he give you some numbers. He, I think he's going to make him like a 1.5 million or something after this fight, but he went after he's, he goes after, uh, you know, the reporter and all that stuff. And it's the clicks. He has, he has learned what makes people tick, click and tune in. And he's just taken, in my opinion, a page out of the Don King playbook, man. I mean, Don King let Mike Tyson, he let all those guys go. And that's what people, that's what people tune into the Floyd Mayweather crazy stuff. That's what people tune into is the people who talk and he's done a great job promoting your sport. So that is all I have for you today, my friend.
All right, we will uh, we'll wrap it there. Appreciate everybody for uh, for listening. Again, uh, I know there's some people that are itching to get us back in live stream form, and we will sooner rather than later, but I, I need to get to a certain place where I can go up the stairs and down the stairs without hurting myself. We'll get you, we'll get you one of those little chairs we can attach on the staircase, you know? The rascal. Yeah. <laughs> That'd be cool. Laura would really love that. Um, that would that would, That would really make her day. Uh, so anyway, we'll, we'll, we'll get to that place uh, sooner rather than later. We'll be back later in the week, though. We'll preview the AFC title game, the NFC title game. We'll talk about whatever the latest in uh, the sports world is. Uh, I think Senior Bowl, is that this week? Uh, that's week. coming up next Senior week. Bowl's coming up next week. So I uh, got a lot. We'll talk about some of those guys as we start to talk about the uh, the draft, the, the Bears making some news as it appears more and more they're going to keep that first pick. So uh, we'll talk more and more about the draft as we get uh, closer to it as well. We've been brought to you by our friends at Rain Total Body Fuel. 300 milligrams, natural caffeine, BCAAs, electrolytes, zero sugar. It's got what you need to push the limits and achieve your goals. So check them out on Instagram at Rain Body Fuel to learn more. For Tyler Siski, I'm Neil McCready. Until next time, take care. Without the ones like you who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you with professional-grade industrial supplies. Count on real-time product availability and fast delivery. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done.